Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalms. Psalm 133. I'm thinking we'll start a new series today. <laughs> well, how do you know whether you're going to like it or not? You don't know what it is. <laughs> well, if it comes out of this book, <laughs> right, you got to figure it's going to be good. And that is the book we're using. So believe with me because I, I have never taught this before. <laughs> Don't get too quiet now. Uh, <laughs> remember a while ago, whoo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's not uncommon. A lot of things we've ministered I hadn't done before. You know, there's a first time for everything, right? Oh, yeah. Everything you've done, there was a time when it was the first time. But This is something that is, uh, you'll see as we get into it, you'll see a lot in the New Testament. And um, I don't know how much we've talked about it, but we're going to talk about it now. Psalm 133 and verse 1. Psalm 133, 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in unity. It is absolutely the truth. It's one of the most enjoyable things there is. To be together. And to be in unity. And to enjoy God's presence. And fellowship. And fellowship with each other. It's the highlight of existence. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Keep reading. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard. Even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Hallelujah. He compares unity and fellowship to the anointing oil that was poured on the head of the high priest. Now, when they anointed the priest, they didn't take a little two-ounce bottle and put a little on their fingertips and put a little spot on their forehead. No, no. They'd take a horn of oil and pour it. (laughs) pour it. And it was enough that it would run all over your head, all over your neck and shoulders, all the way down to the bottom of your garment. Now that's plenty of oil. Somebody say lots of oil. Lots of oil. (laughs) Have you found that your father likes abundance? You know? When he blessed Abraham, he gave him too many cows. Remember that? Too many cows, too many goats, too many sheep. Blessed him and Lot with so many, the land couldn't hold him. You remember that? When he blessed uh, Peter and those guys with that catch of fish after using their boat. Remember that? He gave them too many fish. Broke their nets. Was about to sink their boats. Remember that? Net breaking. Ship sinking. 
23rd Psalm, you remember? You know, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Among other things, he says, my cup. Not half full, not filled to the brim. He is a God of abundance. And so when he anoints you, don't be shocked when it pours all over your head. It gets all over your clothes. It gets all over you until it runs down to the floor. But he says this in connection with unity and the brethren, fellowship. With that in mind, go with me please to the book of Ephesians. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and 1. The Spirit of God through Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. We are called to a high standard. I mean high. (laughs) What is the standard? Jesus. He's the standard. Of what? To walk like him. Talk like him. Act like him. Pray like him. Believe like him. Love like him. Forgive like him. Serve like him. That's your standard. That's my standard. Do you believe it, saints? When he talks about pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, what is the mark? Is it a low mark? (laughs) You could reach it easy in two days without half trying. (laughs) Is it a high mark? What, What is the mark? It's being like him. It's being like the master. A lot of folks don't, they don't like that. They say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not Jesus. Well, we already knew that. <laughs> but the Bible said, he that says he abides in him ought himself so to walk even as he walked. That means it's possible. Yeah. Mrs. Willie, he never sinned and I already have. So it's too late for that. No, no, no. You're forgetting about the blood. You're forgetting about the blood. What do you mean? Because of the blood and because his mercies are new every morning, you can, even though you made a lot of mistakes, you can receive forgiveness and cleansing and start off again as though you've made no mistakes. Walking like Jesus, because he said their sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. You're either clean or you're not. You're either washed or you're not. So it is possible. And we should open our eyes every day. Endeavoring to live like him. Walk like him. Taking anybody else as your ultimate example is too low of a mark. If you you like somebody and, and you'd respect them and admire them, want to be like them, that's because to some degree... They're like him. But don't set your eyes on them. Go ahead and lift your eyes on up. Is that right? To the standard of righteousness, holiness, faith, love, obedience. 
Hallelujah. Jesus. Somebody say Jesus is my hero. Jesus is my goal. Hallelujah. You set out to do it like Jesus does it. If you come short, you repent, but you don't quit. You just hit it again. Is that right? <laughs> to do it like Jesus did it. If you tried to do it like, or you started to do it like Jesus, and for whatever reason, you didn't do it like Jesus. You did it like a heathen. Well, then <laughs> just repent and go, uh, scratch that. <laughs> Here we go again. I'm going to do it like Jesus. Right? And every day is a new day. Right? You just, you just keep resetting yourself to do it like him. Now, uh, Ephesians 4, let's keep reading. He said, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And that vocation in place, like we said, is being like him. You'll see that clearly as we go through here. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Long suffering means putting up with it, bearing it long, forbearing. This is the opposite of being proud or haughty or short-tempered or impatient. Forbearing one another in love. Keep going. Endeavoring to keep what? The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Hallelujah. Now we're never going to be in complete unity with what we, our revelation of scripture and what we think and our opinion on every little thing. That's right. That's right. This is not complete unity in our agreement in knowledge right. and understanding, but it's the unity of the spirit. Right. Yeah. That's right. We can all have the same spirit of faith about us. The same spirit of love about us. Same spirit of peace. Right? Same spirit of peace. You know, it's more important the spirit of a person than their knowledge. It is. None of us know everything. None of us are right about everything. Nobody you know is right about everything. Talking about human beings alive right now. No, nobody you know, no, no preacher you know is right about everything they teach and preach. They'd like to be, but there's a hindrance to that. What, what's that hindrance? Paul said, we know in part. Well, if you only know part of it, there's a problem with the parts you don't know. Right? You can jump to some wrong conclusions and wrong assumptions because of this hole in your knowledge. Well, everybody's that way. But the thing that you should focus on and endeavor to detect is their spirit. Their spirit. What kind of spirit do they have? Prideful, argumentative, judgmental, or kind? Merciful. Gracious. Jesus said, come learn of me. What kind of spirit is Jesus? Come learn of me. I'm meek. 
humble. Meek is not weak. It takes a lot more strength to be meek than it does to be proud. It takes a lot more strength to be long-suffering than it does to be short-tempered. Right? It takes a lot more strength to be kind than it does to be mean. All of us got flesh. Your flesh will do anything you let it do. Anything. Did you not know this? Your flesh didn't get born again. It was the inner man that got born again. You still got the same body Joe Sinner's got. Yeah. Even your mind didn't get born again. That's why the Bible tells you in Romans 12 that we need to get renewed in our mind. Our mind needs to get renewed and changed. And your body will do anything you'll let it do. It'll be a drunkard. It'll be a drug addict. It'll be a fornicator, adulterer. It'll be a liar. It'll be a thief. Somebody say, Christians? Yeah. Yeah. Depends on what you yield to. How far you yield to it. How far you let it go. Now, if you're really born again, the inner man's not going to be okay with all this. It's going to be hollering at you. Right? It's going to be bothering you. But you override it long enough. You can suppress your conscience until you sear it. And boy, you get to the place where you can do all this junk and it doesn't bother you anymore. You're in bad shape. You are, you are backslid. You are, right? You want to stay close to the Lord. You want to keep a tender heart. You want to be quick to repent. Quick to believe. I've found the better shape I'm in walking with the Lord, the quicker I am to cry. The quicker I am to laugh. Yeah, you might see what I'm talking about. Not hard-hearted, but tender-hearted. And that's being like Jesus. That's being like the Master. He's not hard-hearted. He's tender-hearted. Aren't you thankful? He's kind toward us and gracious. Who's your example? What's your goal? Do it like Jesus. Right? Do it just like him. Keep reading. He said, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now skip down to verse uh, 31 for time's sake. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, if this was automatic that you wouldn't have any trouble with any of this just because you became a Christian... There'd be no need to write such verses. But like we said, just even though you're born again and the inward man has changed, the outward man didn't change. And the mind still got to be renewed. And so you'll be tempted to be bitter. What should you do? Resist that and say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be bitter. You'll be tempted to get into rage and anger. What should you say? I'm not yielding to that. I'm not going to do that. Just because feelings come to you doesn't mean you have to go with the feeling. Do you have to act on every feeling you have? Please tell me you know the answer to that. If you act on every feeling, 
an emotion that comes to you, you will be an unstable basket case baby. Do you know it? Oh dear me. Feelings come and feelings go. Right? Feelings change. We don't walk by sight. We don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. Faith is not based on what you feel. Faith is based on what God said. What you believe. Not what you feel. And it's a choice. All these things are a choice. Evil speaking. Put away from you. Somebody say, put it away, put it away. Can you put it away? You can put it away. Just like you put something away at your house. You say, I need to quit eating all these cookies. So (laughs) let's put these cookies away. Is that right? So that I'm not, don't just put them on the table there by your chair. Right? Put them away. So I'm not into them right now. (laughs) Well, there's other stuff you need to put away. Put away the bitterness. Somebody say, put it away, put it away. Put away the wrath and the anger. Put away the evil speaking, the clamor, the malice. Verse 32. And be ye kind one to another. Tender hearted. Somebody say kind. Now we're, we're, we're talking about being like the master. Talking about being like Jesus. And you got to quit making excuses now. Yeah, but my family's Irish. My family's Italian. My family's Scottish. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I, yeah. You're a Christian now. Forget about all that other. Christian trumps Irish or Italian or Scottish or whatever excuse you've been trying to use. Somebody say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Be kind. Somebody say, kind, kind, kind. Do you have to feel like being kind to be kind? Mm -mm. No. You can be kind when you feel anything but kind. It's a choice, it's a decision. And that's when you're being the most spiritual. That's when you're being the most spiritual and you're walking by the most faith when you feel like marking somebody off your list. (laughs) And yet you don't. You feel like yelling and screaming, but you don't. You bite your lip. You get a hold of yourself. And you remind yourself how the Lord has been with you. Come on, help me out. You you remind yourself, don't be a hypocrite and act like you've never missed it. Act like you've never done anything dumb. Said anything or hurt anybody. You know you have. Oh, I'd never. You already have. (laughs) Quit being a hypocrite. Be honest. And remind yourself of how merciful the Lord, can anybody lift a hand and say, He has been so merciful to me, so kind to me, so gracious to me? Aren't we thankful the Lord is not 
short-fused, short-tempered. What if any little thing set him off? The planet would have been gone a long, long time ago. He would have just wiped it out. Think about what he's tolerating right now, today. Think about all the junk that's happening on the planet. There are people going to Satanist churches. There are people being cruel and hurting and destroying innocence. It's awful what's going on on the planet. If you were God, what would you do? See what I'm talking about? He is gracious and kind and merciful and long patience and long suffering. That's one of the most amazing things to me about him is his patience. And for one thing is we've only been alive that long. And he's been around nobody knows. But he'll say something that's going to happen. And sure enough, a thousand years later, 10,000 years later, <laughs> longer than that, it happens. It comes to pass. And all kind of, can you imagine now what happened in a thousand years? How many times it looked like it's never going to happen? How many times it's getting further from it than it's ever been? And it's up and it's down, it's in, it's out, it's close, it's never going to be. He's not moved. He said it. He knows. He said some things about you. He said some things about me. Good things. He made some good plans for you. Good plans for me. Good plans to give us an expected end. And there's many a time we didn't look like it. And we didn't act like it. But he wasn't moved by it. Oh, <laughs> oh somebody say thank you, Lord. He, he wasn't moved by it. He saw something in you you didn't see in you. He saw something beyond. He sees you ruling and reigning with him as a child of God 10,000 years from now. He sees you outgrowing all of your junk. Getting rid of all your unchristlike idiosyncrasies. Getting rid of all the junk. And becoming more like him and more like him and more like him and more like him. Until you're getting to the place where if we've seen you, we've seen the master. Woo! <laughs> we said, well, I, I don't know if I'm there right now. Well, aren't you thankful you got a few more days to to get there agree with him but a big part of it is you choosing to be like him read with me again verse 32 be kind one to another say it out loud be kind one to another refers to your fellow Christian he's writing to the saints at the church of Ephesus. 
First and foremost, we should treat each other wonderfully. We should treat each other. This is the plan of God. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. What? If you love one another. He was talking to his disciples. He's talking to believers. Yeah, he loves the world. But the commandment is first and foremost for you and I to love each other. And there are numerous reasons for this. One big one is because he loves them. If he loves them, you should love them. And if you wonder why, well just put that on the side. He sees something you don't see and be thankful because he's doing the same thing with you. But It is our brightest witness to the world. What do you mean? We should treat each other so wonderfully that outsiders look at us and want to be with us. This is why the enemy works incessantly to stir up strife and division because it destroys our witness. If we bite and devour one another, as the scripture says, why does the world want to be a part of us? That's the same thing they're dealing with in the world, among the ungodly. The Lord wants them to see love, not just to talk about it, but the real thing, the God kind of love. He wants people to see by watching how we treat each other, not church family, in our our fellow believers and brothers and sisters, we, how loyal we are to each other. Yeah. How gracious we are to each other. Yeah. How kind we are to each other. How much we believe in each other. Help each other. Give to each other. To people on the outside say, how do I get in that club? How do I? I need some help. Like, I, need, I want a family like that. Everybody wants a family like that. Everybody. That's why gangs have been successful. People with no family wanting a family. And even though it's not a real family, it's the closest thing they see to it. And and people, they talk it, they talk loyalty, they talk commitment, they talk this, even though you make one big mistake and we got to whack you, sorry, nothing personal. (laughs) That ain't the kind of family you want. And people talk about, you know, in criminal enterprise, they talk about how, you know, oh, we'll never talk. We always got each other's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Until it's their skin. Don't you believe all that junk? There's only one place, one place where you can find what we're talking about. It's the love of God that passes understanding and the peace of God. Hallelujah. Can only be found. In the family of God. Walking in the light. Of this love. Said out loud. Be kind. One to another. Kind. What's kind? What's the opposite of kind? Help me out. What's the opposite? Somebody said mean. That's right. Short. Ill. Impatient. Who's, Who's in charge of you? Whether you're short and mean, or whether you're kind, but you've got to make an effort. You, you, this is something you practice. Right. 
Practice makes perfect, they say. It's something you practice. And uh, there'll be times you should repent. When's the last time? When's the last time you said to your spouse, your roommate, your child, your brother, your your co-worker, when's the last time you came and said, I'm sorry, I I, I said that too hard. I said that too sharp. I... Huh? <laughs> Not long ago. Huh? <laughs> That's good. There needs to be, when that happens, that you are willing to acknowledge it and repent. Oh, what this will do for relationships. Has anybody ever barked at you and it just caught you the wrong way? Didn't bless you, right? Didn't help you. Just, you know, it ministered. Oh, what's what's the word? Um, unrest. It, it, it robbed you of your peace if you let it. Well, you don't want to be a part of robbing somebody's peace or somebody's joy or raining on their parade or messing up their day. Is that right? You, you want when people encounter you to feel better about the day, right? When people have dealings with you, you want them to be in better shape than before they met you that day. And that's going to happen if you're walking in faith and love. And love is kind. Oh, somebody say kind. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. At first glance, People that don't know these things might say, "Ah, you can't do that. Forgive, even as God forgives. You can if he'll put his own love inside you to forgive with, which is what Romans 5 said he did. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. I can love as he loves. He gave me the love to love with. I can forgive like he forgives. Because he gave me the ability to do so. Chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Be therefore followers of God. That's Ephesians 5, 1. Be followers of God as dear children. One translation says, Be imitators of God. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Or smell. Now go with me if you would. Uh, We're right there in Ephesians. Go back to the second chapter. I'm taking my time with this. But uh, if uh, we don't finish today. Maybe we'll continue next time. And if there is no next time. Well that's even better. Right? If we get caught away. (laughs) We can talk about it. In heaven. Hallelujah. (laughs) But Ephesians 2, verse 13, it says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Everybody say enmity. The enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for the making himself of twain, one new man, so making peace. We see he is our peace. And what he did made peace. Peace with what? Peace with God. Peace with God. And that he might reconcile both under God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. The purpose of redemption is reconciliation. The purpose of redemption is a reconciling. What what does reconcile mean? It basically means to change. And it has to do with fellowship and relationship. It refers to two parties who are at odds with one another. That's what that term enmity is keeps referring to. If there's enmity between you and them, there is hostility. We're not getting along. Enmity. That's where we get our word enemy from. Enemy. Enmity. Hostility. And this was our situation with God. We were at odds with God. Every one of us. And he's talking about first covenant and last covenant and Jews, Gentiles. Everybody has sinned and come short of the glory of God and everybody was at odds with God. But Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus was not at odds with the Father. But he came and took our sin and took the judgment for it and paid the price to reconcile us. Get us back. Hallelujah. Into God's favor. Get us back into fellowship. Full unhindered, unrestricted, untainted fellowship with the Father, which is eternal life. Oh, hallelujah. Is this big or is this this big? Hold your place on this. Go to John 17. You'll see what I'm talking about. I said eternal life. Yep, you heard it right. Eternal life. John 17 and 3. Whew, thank you, Father. 
John 17 and 3. What did Jesus say? And this is life eternal. Wow. There's nothing more precious than life eternal. Life eternal doesn't just mean existing without end. It's a quality of existence. Hallelujah. It's a quality. It's a level of existence. It's not just existing. It's living. It's what God calls being alive. Hallelujah. And living. And that going on and on. Throughout the ages. What is eternal life? What is life living? God kind of living. Eternal That they might know you, the only true God, there is no other, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To know him, and that word know doesn't just mean know about. It includes the idea of experiencing him. To know him. To experience him is eternal life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nothing better in this life or in the next than hanging out with God. (laughs) (laughs) You got to remember who we're talking about here. The creator. Of the heavens and the earth. What can you learn talking to him? What can you experience fellowshipping with him? What can you attain to communing with him? Now because of what Adam and Eve did. And because of what every one of us since them did. We forfeited the right to commune with him. Because he is perfection. He is perfection. And in the, the fire of his glory, sin can't abide. Adam and Eve, before the fall, experienced him. Didn't they? They'd hear his sound coming down to them in the wind and in the breeze. And they would come talk to him and walk with him. These are no cavemen (laughs) grunting, ugh, ugh, (laughs) hunched over in a cave with a stick. Somebody said, you don't believe in evolution? I believe in devolution. Man has not evolved from primitive life forms. Man has devolved. Man has fallen from being created in the likeness and image of God himself. Until many men and women live animalistic now. But we weren't created that way. We have fallen. Not evolved. And if you want to get technical about it, 
study other disciplines of science besides biology, you'll find that all mutations are a loss of information, which means a simpler organism is not going to develop into this amazing thing over a period of time. Where's the other missing links? They're missing because they don't exist. Birds don't turn into elephants. Monkeys don't turn into people. Never have. Never will. Or apes. Whatever you want to say. No. It's just not true. We have been made. In the likeness. And the image. Not of an ape. But of the almighty. You believe it or not. With the capacity. Oh the capacity we have. We haven't begun to touch. We are capable. Let me, let me just throw this one at you. Ephesians says, talks about our capability of being filled with all the fullness of God. We have the capacity of knowing and experiencing the height, the depth, the breadth, the length. And to know the love of God. It passes knowledge. And being filled with the fullness. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about not the confines of your little head or your body. You are a spirit. You have capacity. Capacity enough to receive all he wants to give you. There's no limit to what you can understand. No limit. No limit. The devil will tell you otherwise, but he's a liar and a thief and a killer. What is the future that everybody should long for and hunger for? Communion with God. Hallelujah. Hanging out with Him. Fellowshipping with Him. Working with Him. And that involves working with each other. Communing with each other because He has many sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is life eternal, that they might know you. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 5, please. I believe in this series, we're going to be majoring on the majors. Do you know what I mean by that? There's a lot of things in life that are somewhat important. There's a lot of things in life, whether people think so or not, they're not important. But then there are things God calls most important, right? Should we know these priorities? And they should be our priorities. We should call most important what He calls most important. And what we're talking about right now is it most important. Eternal life. The most important. In 2 Corinthians. The 5th chapter. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5. Verse 17. Therefore if any man. Be in Christ. He is a new creation. Are you in Christ? Have you received him? 
then you're in him. And he's in you. And inside you, you're a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Somebody say new, new, new. This is all on the inside. Verse 18, and all things are of God. Who has what? Reconciled. That's this word. Reconciled. What does it mean, reconciled? Let me just read the verse. Reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now it took me a while to get here, but this is the title of the series. The ministry of reconciliation. Hallelujah. The ministry. Of reconciliation. The only ones who can have that ministry. Are those. Who they themselves. Have been reconciled. (laughs) Come on can you see that. To God. And then such as you have. You can give. And you can help others. To be reconciled. Like you. Were helped to be reconciled. To God. He's given to us. The ministry of reconciliation. Now when he says us. He doesn't mean us apostles. Us prophets. Us evangelists. Us preachers. Us pastors. Us means we allans. All usans. You know what I'm trying to say. Who has the ministry of reconciliation? Everybody, every born-again child of God has this ministry. Every one of us. Have you answered the call for your ministry? (laughs) All of us. Everybody that gets serious about God, everybody, and begins to pray more, read the Bible more, they'll, they'll come up and say, you know, I feel like maybe I got a call on my life. Yes, you do. Everybody has a call on their life. First and foremost, this ministry of reconciliation. Do you remember Acts said, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come on you and you'll be witnesses. You'll be. Not something you just do once in a while. It's something you are 24-7, you are a witness. A witness to what? A witness to what God has done for you. You are an eyewitness. You were there when it happened. Right? And you are to be ready and willing and unashamed and bold but gracious to testify anywhere, anytime about what the Lord has done for you. Right? This is not about you being a preacher. Or a pastor. You have a unique witness. Unique. You were there. When the Lord healed your baby. You were there. When the Lord spared you from that car wreck. You, you, 
You were right up there and close and personal. You saw it? Is that right? You were there when the Lord forgave you. When you didn't do good, you didn't do right, and how he, how gracious he was. You were there when you were born again, and you passed from death into life. Something happened in you. You, you were there. You were there when he filled you with the Holy Spirit. You were there. You were there, and you need to not be silent about it. Now, you don't want to be pushy about it. I'm not saying that. But you should not be intimidated anywhere with anybody to begin to say, well, let me tell you what the Lord did for me. And and who can say it's not true? You were there. Right? You were there. You know what happened. Who's going to tell you you don't know what you're talking about? I was there. I was there. Somebody say, I'm a witness. Come on, say it out loud. I'm a witness. Not only are you a witness, you are an anointed witness. Now this, this is the big thing. Acts 1-8. In fact, put it on the screen for us. I'm trying to get over here, but that's all right. You said you'd come back. So Acts 1-8. What did he say? You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit's come upon you. What's this for? And... You shall be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. The, the closest area, and then bigger and bigger and bigger. The Great Commission is to go into all the world, preach the good news. And yet you'll hear people say, yeah, but I'm, I'm not a preacher. It's not about being a preacher. It's about being a witness. I mean, if you saw something and you were there, you saw it, you heard it, you experienced it, you qualify as an eyewitness in a court of law. Is that right? You don't have to have some other, you don't have a doctorate in this or that or, you know, some special title or attachment. You were there, you saw it, you heard it, you're uniquely qualified to give testimony about what happened right there. That's what this is talking about. Got nothing to do with being a preacher. But you are uniquely qualified to testify about what God has done for you. Not only are you uniquely qualified, you are anointed. Oh, somebody say anointed. Somebody say, I'm anointed to testify and be a witness of what the Lord has done for me. Now what that means is in the right circumstance, I'm not talking about you just trying to be preachy or trying to berate somebody or trying to judge somebody. No, something's going on, maybe a co-worker, they got kids that are sick or something and they're distraught and they're distressed and you're in that situation with them or in the workplace or marketplace, wherever, and the Lord prompts you. Are you listening? Prompts you, tell them what I did for your kids. I'm not talking about hearing a voice. It comes up on the inside of you. Tell them. Then without being pushy or haughty, you say, uh, could I tell you just a minute what happened with me? And what happened with our boy? What happened with our girl? And you begin to tell them. And don't try to sound religious. In fact, try to go the other way a little bit. Don't, Don't try to quote so many scriptures that you lose them in the first two minutes. Try to tell them what happened. Right? 
Now, make sure it's real clear. Who did it? Who did it? Don't mince words when you say, who did it? It was the Lord. Not just any Lord. It was the only Lord. The Lord Savior Jesus, the healer. He did that for me. Now, when they're, if they're listening to you, and they're looking at you, and you do your best to be accurate and honest. Do not exaggerate. You'll ruin your testimony. Come on, y'all with me? God can't be involved in dishonesty and lies. Do not exaggerate. Ever. Come on, y'all with me? You'll destroy your testimony. Be as honest and as accurate as you know how. And if you're doing it at his prompting, the Spirit of God will come on them. Oh, hallelujah. You'll receive power. Did you hear that? The power, the anointing will come on you to say it and to tell it. And the anointing will come on them to hear it and to see it. And while you're talking to them, he'll reveal himself to them and say, I'm real. I'm real. I did do what they're telling you is the truth. I did do that for them and I'll do it for you too. Oh, hallelujah. And this can result in somebody who does not know him being reconciled to him. Getting a glimpse of his goodness, of the reality of him, of his goodness and kindness, of what he's done for us and redeeming us and saving us and all these things. It can be so simple. You're just willing to be that witness. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Are you a witness? Somebody say, I'm a witness. I'm a witness. Hallelujah. Numerous times I've talked to strangers about things like this. And I prefer that they not know I'm a preacher at first. And I I try not to quote a bunch of scriptures to them. Are y'all with me? Because, I mean, me preaching to you is one thing. Me being a personal witness to him is another thing. That's just like you would do it. Come on, can you see that? Just like you would do that. And so I just begin to try to tell somebody what the Lord did for me. How real he is to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What he's done for me. In my life. Woo. Do you get stirred up just talking about it? That's because you were made for this. You were made for this. And you can't be happy without doing it. You cannot be completely fulfilled. And you don't have to go around and try to act like a preacher. You don't have to memorize a bunch of scriptures. You don't have to teach somebody a Bible lesson. That's a different thing. Different thing. But it does have to be real. You were there. You saw it. You experienced it, right? And you're not ashamed of it. You're glad about it. Hallelujah. Say it another time. I am. An anointed witness of what the Lord has done for me. Hallelujah. That means you and yours, me and mine. 
Oh boy. Go back to 2 Corinthians. Maybe you never left there. I, I did in my mind, so I'm, I'm back. 2 Corinthians 5. Let's back up to 17 again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all these things inside are of God, who has what? Reconciled us to himself by Jesus. So sad when Adam and Eve fell and got driven out of the garden, out of the presence of God. And, you know, it it probably would look like, well, that's the end of mankind's relationship with God. They'll never, nobody will ever get to experience what happened with Adam and Eve and that kind of fellowship and communion that they had before the fall. But the Father was not okay with that. Jesus was not okay with that. They had a plan from the beginning. Hallelujah. (laughs) To make it possible for us to be reconciled and, and for there not to be any kind of enmity between us and Him. Nothing between. Hallelujah. Is that the song says, My soul and the Savior. Nothing to prevent the least of His favor. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. That's reconciliation. He has reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and, somebody say and. And And what? I'm not just reconciled to say, hallelujah, I'm going to heaven. Sorry about all y'all. But <laughs> no, I'm reconciled. So what? Everybody around me needs to be reconciled. Now, I don't need to be in fear. I don't need to take responsibility. This is too big for me. I don't let it, need to let the knowledge of people being lost destroy my peace and my joy because that makes me a bad witness. Come on, can you see that? But I am ready. Oh, somebody say ready. I'm, I'm ready anywhere, anytime to give an anointed testimony. Right? What does that mean? Just, just, just tell him what he's done for me. How real he is to me. How good he's been to me. How good he is to me. How my life is different now. Since I've been reconciled to him, nobody has to be at odds with God. Because of what Jesus has done, everybody can be. Doesn't mean they already are. Elsewise, there'd be no need for a ministry of reconciliation. Got too quiet when I said that. <laughs> Somebody said, what do you mean? Aren't they already reconciled to God? As far as God's concerned, everything has been done for them to be reconciled to Him. But He's not going to force anybody to have a relationship with Him or anybody to commune with Him. There are things God doesn't do for us. If He did, there'd be no real relationship. What do you mean? He's not going to do our believing for us. 
He's not going to do our receiving for us. He's not going to do our repenting for us. He's not going to do our obeying for us. You with me? He doesn't do that for you. If he did, there'd be no real relationship. You think about you and another person that you have a a living relationship with and fellowship with. And they decide they don't like you. They don't want to be with you. And you say, no, you will like me. (laughs) And so you had power and you make them like you. And they're going, no, I can't stand you. I hate your guts. And you go, zap. And they go, oh, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. I love you. I love you. I love you. It doesn't mean a thing. Come on, can you see that? They are a robot. They they don't they didn't choose to do it, so it's not real. Which is why God has let this world go off the deep end, so to speak. And all the junk they're doing and running from him and denying him, why is he letting them do it? I actually asked the Lord one time, I said, How do you tolerate all this? And he said this to me, he said, Son, it's very brief. Now that's an interesting answer. He said it's very brief. We think it's a long, 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 long time. To him a thousand years is like one day. And how long is a human being's life? To him, maybe they're acting crazy, acting like a heathen. But to him, it's that long. And he wants everybody to have a chance. To demonstrate if they really want him or not. Or if they really love him or not. It can't be forced. Or it's not real. He can't do it for you. Or there's no real love. There's no real relationship. There's no real fellowship. It's got to be. Of your own heart and will. Can you see that? So he's not going to make you believe. He's not going to make you repent. He's not going to make you receive. He's not going to make you obey him. And these are all keys in experiencing the reconciliation that Jesus has already provided and paid for. So what's the ministry of reconciliation? If everybody's already completely reconciled to God, no matter what they do, believe, etc., there's no need for a ministry of reconciliation. Are y'all thinking with me now? There's no need. There's nothing to be done. It's already done. No matter what they do or not do, they're reconciled to God. No. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door. And what? He didn't say, I'm coming in whether you want me to or not. (laughs) You and I are going to be buddies. (laughs) Whether you like it or not. Now you, You almost think that's you wish that would happen, but he knows best, right? And even though he is so powerful and so great, somebody said, well, God can do anything. Yes, but he, in his wisdom, he's chosen not to do this. Yes, yes, yes. In his wisdom. And he, he comes, I mean, could he knock the door down? He made the door. Come on here with me. He made the room. He made the ground, the, the, the room sitting on. Right? Yep. right? He could wave his hand, the door dematerialized. I mean, 
But he won't do it. He'll come and knock and say, uh, you, you, want, you want to see me? You want to fellowship with me? You want a relationship with me? He's doing this with the whole world. And at times, if they would acknowledge it, it's not something you necessarily hear outside, but they hear a knock inside them. Yes. They hear, yes. they sense something. What is that? Seems like there's more. Oh, that's because there is. Yeah. Seems like there should be more to life than this. That's because there is, there is, yes. there is. And he's saying, I'm here. I'm real. I care about you. You don't have to be at odds with God. You don't have to run from God. You don't have to be concerned about him being mad at you and about judgment falling. You don't have to run. You don't have to be mad at him. But you do have to do something. You've got to respond. You've got to believe. You've got to repent for running from him and being like that and decide you want to be with him. You've got to receive his love, his mercy. His forgiveness, yes. His cleansing, yes. His washing, yes. His righteousness. You've got to receive it. Yes. Got to receive it. And then if you really want to walk with Him, you've got to go where He's going. Yes. Is that right? Yes. You've got to obey Him. Yes. If He's going that way and you decide you're going another way, well, y'all not going, you're not hanging out with God. You're not going to experience the fellowship. How many want to go where He's going? Keep reading this. We'll close with this, I think. He said, verse 18, All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us. And like we've said, that's all of us. The ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? It's the very next thing he said. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them. Some of might say, well, see there, God's already done it. He has. But you still got to receive it. That's where our ministry comes in, is encouraging people to receive it. Not imputing the trespasses unto them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We got the ministry of reconciliation and we got the word of reconciliation verse 20 now then we are ambassadors for Christ (laughs) do you know you somebody somebody ambassador (laughs) wouldn't hurt us to use those titles once in a while well there he is ambassador Bill he says well hi ambassador Keith Ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, we ask you, even plead with you, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now, if everything was done and there's nothing they needed to do, why say all this? Come on, can you see that? There would be no need for a ministry of reconciliation. But you and I are ambassadors. That means we represent another kingdom. We represent another place. 
We represent another person. We represent Jesus. We've been anointed and authorized and sent to speak and act on his behalf as an ambassador to people. To tell them our testimony and be a witness. And then if they're open and will receive more to tell them, you don't have to be at odds with God. You don't have to be on the outside. Jesus has already paid. Praise God for all of your sins, all of your mistakes. He's already purchased your redemption. All you got to do is believe it and receive it. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. And, and, and they say, how do I do that? You say, oh, grab my hand right here. Is that right? Let me, let me lead you in a prayer. Woo! It's actually so much easier than many have thought. The enemy, he so does not want you doing this or me doing this. So he tries to plant all kind of fears. They'll think you're a nut. You don't know enough scriptures. You don't know the meaning of any of those Hebrew or Greek words. Or you don't, you're not a preacher. You're not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. This is not a preacher ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. It's the taking. I mean, a lot of you, that's your bit anyway. If you see people at odds with one another, what do you want to do? You want to, you want to get them back together. Right? If you got relatives that are at odds, you got co-workers that ain't talking to each other, you got, uh, there's something inside you goes, hey, hey, let's, let's get this back together, right? Let's, that's God's desire for the whole planet. Get them back with me. Let's get back together. Let's be reconciled. Hallelujah. Read it again. He said, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. The couple of different translations set like this. Here we are, speaking for Christ, as though God himself were making his appeal through us. That's the, today's English and good news. We plead on Christ's behalf. Let God change you from enemies into his friends. Let, let God change you. You don't have to be at odds with God. Everything's already been done except you believe in it and receive in it. Let God change you from enemies to friends. Verse 21 in King James. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He didn't know any sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. That's the word of reconciliation. For the ministers of reconciliation. Time is so short. Brothers and sisters. This life is so short. And we should be on the watch for opportunities. Right? Not to get preachy. Not to get pushy. The first thing people need to see in your eyes and hear in your voice is that you genuinely care about them. What they're going through. What's going on in their life. You genuinely care. And even though it may seem hopeless, you know better. Because you've been helped yourself. You've been helped yourself. 
And you want to be ready and willing to share that in the right way. Hallelujah. And then if they're open to it, to be reconciled to God, you're ready. Is that right? To facilitate and help them be reconciled to God. Oh, hallelujah. You're an ambassador. You're an anointed witness. You got the ministry of reconciliation. You got the word of reconciliation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.